0: Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study.
1: We're going to begin uh, here in our uh, designated Parsha, and then what I'd like to do is take us on a little uh, Bible tour uh, using the word Sukkah. So we'll get a sense of of this commandment to keep Sukkot uh, in the calendar of the year, and then we're going to move to uh, a different kind of text study. So let's begin. Someone start at 2226.
2: The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When an ox or a sheep or a goat is born, it shall stay seven days with its mother, and from the eighth day on it shall be acceptable as a gift to the Lord. However, no animal from the herd or from the flock shall be slaughtered on the same day with its young. All
1: right, so again, we understand ourselves as a covenanted people, which means that uh, we make certain allowances for that we consider to be less than perfect. Um, the perfect vision, of course, is a vegetarian society. That is what happened in Eden. They did not eat animals in Eden. Mm-hmm. So our vision of... of Perfection is that we wouldn't eat living creatures, but we understand that we live in a world um, where it's we're not living in perfection. But we place limits as a covenanted people on what's allowed. That's not perfect. Um, That doesn't mean anything goes as regards eating other creatures. And here's one of the places that we see limits put on our appetite for meat, um, which is that the the tradition understands that it's just it's just not humane. Take something from its mother right away and kill it it's just it's just not it's not good practice for us right to we just kind of wantonly take whatever we want whenever we want it um and uh, also that the tradition understands it as just being not a good thing to kill a mother and it's young on the same day that, that there should just be limits placed on, on on exactly how we deal with this issue of of eating other living things all right mm-hmm. I have a
3: question isn't it more inhumane, if you want to, to separate a calf from its mother after eight days, when the mother has had a chance to get used to the calf and nurse Clearly, they, they did not
1: understand it that way. No, that, I mean the answer is no for them. Okay. What, what do cows really feel? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I don't know, but but they they understood this as a good thing as a kindness that the mother who's just given birth has an opportunity to, to bond. nurse her young she 's got milk coming i mean wh- I mean whatever they understood this as a kindness we don't have to agree, but we do need to understand that they they held this as a as a kindness
2: did they with,
1: or was that a later projection of the rabbis as to the why of this um so the rabbis read it as a way to be <clears throat> aware that even though we're eating meat we need to do so in a way that's respectful and compassionate and, and for the rabbis that's about everything we do that, that there may be allowances you know, for things that we do and we need to be respectful and compassionate when, when we do those things um, this is a, a wonderful idea explored by Yitz uh, Greenberg, Rabbi Yitz Greenberg, um, this whole idea of covenant being the mitigating factor between what we hold as the perf- perfect ideal and the real world as we have it, and the covenant is about putting limits and boundaries around the imperfect world so that we can move towards perfection. And uh, this is one of those places. All right. Somebody read it, twenty-nine.
4: When you sacrifice a thanksgiving offering to Adonai, sacrifice it so that it may be acceptable in your favor. It shall be eaten on the same day. You shall not leave any of it until morning. I am Adonai. Because most
1: of the sacrifices had a, a component that the Israelites ate. Right? If you sacrifice an animal, that's a lot of meat. Some of it went to feed the priests. In the case of the Holocaust, of course, it was burned up entirely on the altar. But that's the only offering that was completely burned up was the <clears throat> the olah, the holocaust. Everything else was, there was a portion that fed the people. So if there's a lot of sacrifices going on, there's a lot of meat to eat. If you're not allowed to have any of it left over till morning, what does that mean? Then? You, you have to
5: people. give it away.
1: You have to give it away. You have to share it with a lot of people, right? So your sacrifice was actually a party, right? You, you had a feast. If you sacrificed something, You you were having a feast. You had to, if it all had to be eaten by morning and you're sacrificing a cow, (laughs) right? That's a lot of meat to share.
4: So when you were talking about the Holocaust, so do you mean that for the duration of the Holocaust? Uh Holocaust
1: means the offering that's completely burned up on the altar. Okay. That's why we do not use that word to talk about what happened during the Nazi regime. I didn't know that. We say Shoah, the catastrophe, we don't say holocaust, because what does it imply?
6: And that it's a, sacrifice, it's a sacrifice, sacrifice
1: that was desired.
4: So who came up with that word for the, for the Shoah?
0: I don't know. Yeah, my objection to the word holocaust is that most people don't understand it, and consequently don't appreciate the the, the magnitude of his murder of millions of people. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't use the word either. Mm-hmm. It's
7: so widely used. But we have yeah. a Holocaust
0: Museum,
2: which is Jewish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that word is because we I guess that's Christians we,
7: understand the terminology, what it is. right? right. The, what that that's are, the terminology. But
1: we we generally do not use that term. We use Shoah. In, in Yiddish, it, there's nothing like Holocaust term,
3: it's Churban. Right. It's the Hebrew word for the
1: ancient destruction of the temple. Right, the Khorban. Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: the destruction, I'm sorry, the destruction of the temple is also would be considered a Holocaust?
1: No, it's called the Churban. The Khorban, the catastrophe, the destruction, right. means the destruction of the temple. What, what Sarah is pointing out is that in Yiddish, if you're referring to the Holocaust, you refer to it as the Chorban, the destruction. Mm-hmm. It is the destruction in our time. And in Hebrew, Shoah is, more, is like catastrophe. So
7: then why do many temples in their Hebrew school yeah. call it the Holocaust? I mean, because I-
1: it is the accepted terminology. We get it that that's what it's called. We're not denying that that's what it's called. But I'm just explaining why we say the Shoah, generally. So in Hebrew school, yes, the printed books and all of that, it's accepted that that is the term. Holocaust is the term. But we, we really try to raise awareness um, by using Shoah when we talk about
4: it. Thank you,
1: because that's the first time that I've heard that. Mm-hmm.
6: Interestingly the enough, heard that. although the although the although the uh, uh, saying Shoah makes it even more particular to the Jews in other words that there were 6 million of them who perished whereas in general now the use of the H word refers to all 11 million of all religions who were wiped out there you is. know what I mean? What do you say about the five million others—the gypsies, the because I, I think the, for
1: me, I, I don't see Shoah as specific to the Jews.
6: Okay, so you I see
1: Shoah as being
6: the mass slaughter. The mass slaughter,
1: the mass slaughter that happened under the Nazis mm-hmm. of all people. Of all people. Of all people. Um, right. Okay. Thirty-one.
2: You shall faithfully observe my commandments. I am the Lord. You shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified in the midst of the Israelite people. I, the Lord who sanctify you, I brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I, Adonai. All right. Let's go on to 23. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the Israelite people and say to them, These are my fixed times the fixed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as sacred occasions. On six days, work may be done, but on the seventh day, there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest, a sacred occasion. You shall do no work. It shall be a Sabbath of the Lord throughout your settlement. These are the set times of the Lord, the sacred occasions, which you shall celebrate each at its appointed time. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, there shall be a Passover offering to the Lord, And on the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days. On the first day, you shall celebrate a sacred occasion. You shall not work at your occupations. Seven days, you shall make gifts to the Lord. The seventh day shall be a sacred occasion. You shall not work at your occupations. All
1: right, what holiday is that? Pesach. What what month of the year is it happening on? The first month. Right. The first month, the fourteenth day of the month is Pesach, which means the year starts. Nisan Nissan. Pesach. What is is the? 15th what? Day month
7: the
1: 15th? So the because it's the fifteenth day of the month, that's when the holiday is. So it's
6: like instead of instead of Passover being January first, it's on January fifteenth. <laughs> oh, right.
1: Always. Okay. okay. Yeah, so because 30, it's a full it's a full moon. But on the fourteenth <laughs> day of the month is Pesach. Then the next day starts Chag Hamatzot. We've yes. had this discussion, and we'll have it again but in Rosh, the spring. Rosh Hashanah yeah. is the beginning of the Thank Easter. you, Reuben.
3: Hello.
1: So what's going on? Hello. Yeah, the fourteenth day of the month, you? when you have a full moon, you're having this festival of unleavened bread, the Pesach, and then the feast of unleavened bread on the fifteenth. So.
6: What's going on? You've talked about the two traditions coming together.
1: So we have clearly two traditions. We have a tradition where the year starts in the spring, and we have a tradition where it starts in the fall. For lots of reasons, the fall one is victorious. That is what we have. Um, But for an agricultural people, this calendar makes a lot more sense. Why?
5: Planting? Planting, uh, and because
1: because planting and harvest because yeah. it's a harvest planting and harvest right why, why this one why, why why not start with the summer harvest why does it make sense to start it in new sun this is the first it's new this is the first harvest of what
5: of
1: uh, food after after, after the winter. winter after winter this for an agricultural people is the world coming back to life after the death of winter it makes complete sense, if you think about it, that that would be the beginning of the year, right? The springtime. All right, so spring harvest was your first harvest after the summer, which meant, what is Sukkot? Oh. <laughs> yes, Sukkot is a what? So tell me about that. What, how does it change your understanding of Sukkot if the new year is Pesach? It's the completion of the agricultural year. This is the end. Sukkot, boom, we're done.
7: So Pesach starts it and Sukkot is the end.
1: The end of the year. It is the The last harvest. harvest before winter, which means it is the harvest that prevents starvation. It is the harvest that gets your clan through the dead time. So if you have a nice harvest at Sukkot, you are having a big ol' party.
4: I'm thinking of Persephone because, because, Of course.
1: That's that's that part of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Of course Persephone, of course. Dead, coming back up, of course. Those myths all come from this region. Okay.
4: This may not be what you want to talk about today, but but I have a question. (laughs) You can wait for (laughs) April if you want. <laughs> <laughs> How does what we just read on this first month we have this celebration? What about Moses and the people and like the blood and the, the story of Passover? Like here, it's just like, oh, you're gonna have Passover. You're uh, gonna have this matzah celebration.
1: The short answer, the answer till April. Yeah, where we'll have a longer answer. The short answer is that these agricultural festivals predate. Israelite society. They are Canaanite. They are that old. So exactly. So these festivals would have been in place long before the Israelites were were having their story. And and remember that most Israelites would have been converted Canaanites. Right? So you gotta give them their festivals. You get you gotta give the people their harvest festivals. You're just gonna add a different you're gonna reconstruct The reason you're doing it. Exactly right. You lay a historical layer on top of it. Um, That's what makes early Israelite monotheism different from paganism. Paganism, you just go through the cycle of the year, every year. And you do what you need to do to try to ensure that it happens again next year. Right? You're you're doing all your rituals to make sure the cycle continues in a way that you want it to. Like bounty and the right amount of rain and not rain and... Rain when it's supposed to and not when it's not supposed to, that's paganism. That's what this was. Once you've got Israelite interpretation of paganism, you now add a layer to the harvest that has a historical meaning. How God intervenes in history, right? Not just that God is the force that makes the rainfall and the things grow. that That's a good thing. But it's a God who makes decisions about that and who intervenes in history self difficult
3: history.
1: Yes? I think we're there to
3: April Oh, all right. Excellent. So <laughs> does this predate
1: the exodus? Does what predate the exodus?
3: The establishment of the fall
1: harvest. All of these festivals would have been in place long before there was a people that had an exodus story okay. in the region.
7: So is it fair to say that Sukkot is, uh, it's, marks the end of a bountiful harvest? or, it, a, hope, hopefully, or a Hopefully. A, a hopefully bountiful.
1: Which is why people always eat in the sukkah. It, it marks the end of the fall harvest. The fall Whatever harvest. you get at the fall harvest is what's going to keep you through the winter. Right. 100% feasting is always a part of Thanksgiving. Right? Which Thanksgiving end, right? involves feasting. Always. That's kind of how one of the ways that we demonstrate our gratitude is that we And joy, bounty, right? We we impose an experience of bounty, right? That's why Yom Kippur, in some ways, is so powerful. We we impose bounty on Rosh Hashanah. What do we eat on Rosh Hashanah? Honey and apples. Honey and apples. What else? Suf Ganiyot. Suf Ganiyot. is right. is is uh, Hanukkah. <laughs> unless you <laughs> ate them in your house on... Uh, <laughs> I eat them all the time. On Rosh <laughs> Hashanah. What else do we eat on Rosh Hashanah? Brisket. Brisket. <laughs> <laughs> what about your challah? Does it look different on Rosh Hashanah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of it's right. round. It's like Often it has raisins. 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 This is not <clears throat> coincidental. Right? That We impose bounty on ourselves at the new year to celebrate. And then what do we do? We turn around... 10 days later and impose scarcity so that we experience, there's such wisdom in this, imposing bounty, imposing celebration, it's not an option. Y'all will celebrate, period. You don't have to want to, You, you just have to do it. We impose bounty and then we impose scarcity, both in order to bring us to a place spiritually of awareness that's different than our regular lives yes so when the pilgrims looked at how do we express thanksgiving what did they do they were good religious people what did they do they looked at Torah when and the fall harvest came they were going to survive the winter they looked at their bible for what they're supposed to do to celebrate that and they look at Sukkot that thanksgiving is Sukkot literally Thanksgiving was by the, the people who came here, and they looked in the Bible and saw, of course, after the fall harvest, you you feast and you celebrate. All right. This year, of course, though, it's going to be Hanukkah, <laughs> <laughs> which is just so wrong. <laughs> the first candle is before Thanksgiving. It's just oh, that, so wrong. Come on,
4: come just
1: on, to need The shift here, right? It's so exciting.
4: It's what an so exciting. So we are alive <laughs> the one time
7: it's so yeah. exciting when's the last time
6: that happened? Uh,
7: about somebody sent me an email that
1: had when it happened but it's not going to happen again for like 4,000 years like it's not going to happen in our right. we're not going to we're not going to have to worry about it exactly well, I heard this morning that
7: we're in 1.75 billion years on earth is ending day well maybe right is mean, I mean, on Thanksgiving I mean, 1.75 I right.
3: billion years
1: let's
5: time. look at nine
1: verse 9 the, I'm sorry the Lord, I lost
3: me somewhere is that mean you're talking about Hanukkah this year is early is that yes. what it is yes. yeah. on the same day oh, okay, because
1: Thanksgiving I the first candle is the first is before Thanksgiving
3: did
7: you go away
6: for a few minutes the same day. Day alright verse 9 sp- the Good. Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the Israelite people and say to them when you enter the land that I am giving you and you reap its harvest you shall bring the first sheaf of your harvest to the priest he shall elevate the sheaf before the Lord for acceptance in your behalf. The priest shall elevate it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day that you elevate the sheaf, you shall offer as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb of the first year without blemish. The grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of a measure of choice flour with oil mixed in, a gift of pleasing odor to the Lord. And the libation with it shall be of wine, a quarter of a heen. Until that very day... Until you have brought the offering of your God, you shall eat no bread or parched grain or fresh ears. It is a law for all time throughout the ages in all your settlements. All right, this is
1: Chag HaMatzot. This is the second day of this um, eight, seven-day business. You're going to elevate the sheaf, um, and it talks about the sacrifice that you're going to bring. So this is this is uh, still, of course, Pesach. Fifteen, some of it. Somebody
8: And from the day...
1: I'm getting stereo
8: here. And from the day on which you bring the sheath of elevation offering, the day after the Sabbath, you shall count off seven weeks. They must be complete. You must count until the day after the seventh week, 50 days. Then you shall bring an offering of new grain to Adonai. You shall bring from your settlements two loaves of bread to an elevation offering each shall be made of two tenths of a measure of choice flour baked after leavening as first fruits to Adonai with the bread you shall present a burnt offering as burnt offerings to Adonai seven yearling lambs without blemish one bull of the herd and two rams with their meal offerings and libations, an offering by fire of pleasing odor to Adonai. You shall also offer one he goat as a purgation offering and two yearling lambs as a sacrifice of well-being. The priest shall elevate these, the two lambs, together with the bread of first fruits as an elevation offering before Adonai. They shall be holy to Adonai. Or the priest on that same day you shall hold a celebration, it shall be a sacred occasion for you. You shall not work at your occupations. This is a law for all times in all your settlements throughout the ages. All right, what holiday is this?
2: Shavuot. Shavuot. And this is all in the plural. Then, the, is it
1: not? So, each Israelite didn't bring all the stuff, this was the whole community, We're the community, correct. Um. So this is the communal offering on Shavuot. Shavuot has nothing of its own. Shavuot is completely dependent on being seven full sets of seven days after the elevation offering of the sheaf. That's all. Right? So after that part of Pesach where you lift the sheaf, um, you count seven sets of seven days and then you get this other business. Right? So it's Shavuot, the festival of weeks. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way you know when it is, is to count seven weeks Purul that are made of seven days. Of Correct. Shavuah is a week from Sheba. Correct.
2: So where did the idea come from that this was the giving of the Torah and that you study and all of that?
1: So there's a historical layer given to every holiday except this one in Torah, right? Torah has other things that go along. Sukkot, we're going to get to, has its historical memory. So does Pesach in Torah. But this is the only one that doesn't in Torah. So the rabbis... there have to particularly once you no longer have the temple and you no longer have this as an agricultural festival when you bring sacrifices now what are you going to do on shavuot there's nothing to do anymore it, right there's all this is gone once biblical israel's is gone you have no way to observe it so the rabbis have to give it a historical layer so that there's something to commemorate right something that it it observes, and they they do a fantastic job of fetching, the counting, so that they get to. Of course, this was Sinai. It's unbelievable. Like I, I studied it once and just kind of went, what? But if Moshe was here on that and then and then, then that means if you count back from there, and they do this fetch that you would not believe to come up with, it was Shavuot that they would they were at Sinai. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm
7: confused. I thought there was a part of Shavuot where you have to eat dairy. Yeah. No, that is a custom.
1: It's a custom. Ah. It okay. is a custom to eat dairy on Shavuot. Okay.
7: okay, and where did that custom come from?
1: It's, uh, it's Eastern Europe. It's what? Dairy lobby.
6: <laughs> uh, Eastern, Eastern Europe. It
1: came from a people that doesn't tolerate yeah. dairy very well either, ironically. Um, so it uh, there's lots of different explanations about why it was it got started. One that I've heard is um, that if you're if it's Matan Torah Tenu, the time of the giving of the Torah, and they the Israelites were preparing for three days to receive Torah, they would not have been slaughtering animals during that time so there was no meat that they, they would only have eaten dairy hmm. on that day because they've been preparing to receive Torah they're not killing animals okay. so and they like blitzes and, and they, they love like blitzes yeah. and so, yes. so where did they, where did they
3: yes. find the blueberries <laughs> <Yeah>, right <laughs> I, I, I'm very ignorant of Hebrew. I don't know how to read it but would the word Shiva have anything to do when people say, they sit Shiva for seven already, is it something related? Shiva is seven. So that's what I'm
1: saying. Is Shavua. Similar root.
3: I'm talking it's the same root.
1: It's the, the same. same word. It's the same word. Shavua is seven days. Shavua is a week. Okay. Sheva is seven. You sit Shiva.
3: Okay. I'm just asking.
1: It's, yeah, yeah. It's, that's the word. It's not just related. That's what it means. So basically you're saying we sit seven. Okay. That's what shiva is. Exactly. Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. 22. And when you reap the harvest
3: of your land, you shall not reap all the way to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I, I, don't know, I am your God.
1: This is the summer harvest of Shavuot, and it's very clear that you are to allow the poor to participate in the harvest by leaving what for them to harvest. You don't give part of what you've harvested to the poor. Instead, the poor come and harvest as well because it doesn't all belong to you. None of it actually belongs to you. It all belongs to God.
3: And you do not cut food stamps.
1: Correct. Yes.
3: yes. Correct. That's
1: why I love this.
2: Right? That's exactly right. And this is in the middle. It's interesting. This is kind of like a moral thing in the middle of all of this ritual. Mm
3: -hmm. Exactly. More to it, I find, I'm sorry, that the fact that you leave it there, that people are not humiliated by begging. They pick it up. And I think it's very important when people keep their own dignity. Uh,
1: That's exactly right. They participate in the harvest. Everyone goes to harvest, so do the poor. They have land to harvest because it all belongs to God.
3: Yeah. So. I think it's a wonderful. It's fantastic.
1: It's fantastic. And, um, and you're absolutely right, Sarah. We can interpret this. We can translate this. Verse 22. Do not cut food stamps. 100%. I'm so angry. I'm so angry about it. Yeah. Is there anything we can do? Because I'm really- not. I, I'm just, it's just so horrifying. You to know me. what's
7: interesting? I am pissed off about it too. But just so it happens, last weekend I was in a um, bonds I'm not usually in, and I watched a manager chew away a guy because he routinely uses his food stamps. He comes and he buys food, and about twenty minutes later, he returns the food to the other side of the store where they did, where he didn't buy it. And he gets cash from it and goes and buys alcohol. You know, so there's, there's, there's definitely a part that needs to be cleaned up with that program. But this, this
2: does not say the poor who don't do bad things. Yeah. It's exactly right.
1: Right. Right. Well, of course. No. Well, exactly right.
7: right. No, there, there's, there's, it's exactly right.
1: The, there's abuse in every system. I know. I just happened to have Yeah, to I mean, it. could someone have? Could could the poor come harvest this and then go sell it and buy alcohol with what they? Of course. But the point is, you make food available to people yeah. who are food insecure. Period. It's just. Clear. It's, it could not be clearer. All right. Twenty-three. The Lord spoke to
2: Moses, saying, "Speak to the Israelite people thus." In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe complete rest, a sacred occasion commemorated with loud blasts. You shall not work at your occupations, and you shall bring a gift to the
1: Lord. Okay, that is all that is said about... Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Because it's not Rosh Hashanah. It's the seventh month, right? On the first day of the month, in the seventh month of the year... You will have a sacred occasion, you will not work, and you'll have loud blasts. Zew, that's it. That's all we had. Actually, it's very close to July
6: 4th, if you look at it. In terms of there the, you go. Regular, right? Because uh, the first day of seventh month in our calendar will be July 1st. Fourth of July. July blasts, all right, there it is. So,
1: there it is. Fireworks, barbecue.
6: Another feature. All right. So that's it. No, 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 no. I'm that's just, all we know. I'm just kidding. I'm talking about this, the secular
2: calendar.
1: All right, 26.
2: The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Mark, the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a sacred occasion for you. You shall practice self-denial and you shall bring a gift to the Lord. You shall do no work throughout that day for it is a day of atonement on which expiation is made on your behalf before the Lord your God. Indeed, any person who does not practice self-denial throughout that day shall be cut off from his kin. And whoever does any work throughout that day, I will cause that person to perish from among his people. Do no work whatever. It is a law for all time throughout the ages and all your settlements. It shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for you and you shall practice self-denial. On the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening, you shall observe this, your Sabbath.
1: All right, we're in the seventh month. So we're coming to the end of the agricultural cycle. You blow a ram's horn On the first day of that month Then On the tenth day of the month You have this Day of atonement You're gonna Practice self-denial We'll talk about that
0: Are we in the seventh time. month now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes
1: According to this calendar Yes okay. We're in the seventh month Of the year Coming to the end Of the agricultural cycle We get We get this day of self denial that we're going to have atonement made for us, and then the last holiday of the cycle.
6: What is the what is the gift that's brought to the Lord? In the in in on uh, on the day of atonement.
1: So do you do you mean the offering?
6: Yeah, it says you shall you're going to practice self denial and you shall bring a gift to the Lord.
1: It doesn't what say here. That? It's a plural meal. It's an offering or It's the community, something. right? It, it doesn't. It doesn't spell it out here.
6: Oh, right. It's not spelled out. Right. So That's in so, but is there a is there a a modern a, a contemporary no thing no that mirrors that no no.
1: Okay. no not in any of them right, right? that that got left with the agricultural business and with the destruction of the temple all what well I, I shouldn't say that. What mirrors it is prayer. Wherever there was an offering, we now have a service. Okay. We okay. now have a, a prayer service. Okay. So, so the holiday service.
6: Mm-hmm. So when is we, takes the place of the offering. Okay, but when we have, but when you build the sukkah, you're you're still you you are uh, mirroring uh, an agricultural festival. Correct. Right. So, but that's just for. Folkways reasons, as opposed to religious no, it reasons. Says, it says so. It's
1: come out. No, we're told we have to make them. Okay. But so, so yes, that part stayed. Anything though that had to do with offerings, it's oh, okay. translated as I prayer. See. Okay. Right. Got so right. any holiday where there was offerings.
6: Yeah, anything that sort of, in a way, rises up to God. There's a prayer service a prayer. now. So it used to be smoke, now it's
1: Now it's
0: prayer. Now it's the words of prayer. Exactly right. So, Rabbi, yeah, what is the first month
1: of this... Uh, Nisan yeah. Pesach yeah, I know, but it's, is it's, the first month. Here it's the seventh month, so... Right, because that starts
2: at Rosh Hashanah.
1: Yeah, I know, I'm confused. All right, so... The, the reason you're confused okay. is good because what what we want to do is make sure we're shaking up our comfort with this calendar. We're so used to Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the new year. We're so used to that that we forget there's a whole nother system operating at the same time, right? There's, it, it takes a long time for it to sort out to become this calendar. So it's, it's, what I'm saying is, it's good that you're confused. Because what it means is you're going, wait, 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 what? Right? That's good. We want to, that's the point, is we want to shake up. What? Right? Because it's completely different. This is completely different from how we celebrate our Jewish calendar now. It's very different. But the reason I want us to try to internalize this a little bit is because to me, this makes more sense. And it completely revalues Sukkot, which is, of course, where we're going, right? Which is why I've dragged us through the other part of this is um, so that you understand if we started at Pesach, we're now at the end of the year, we get this loud ram horn day, then we get this day of atonement, and we're coming to the end of the year, and what do we get? 33. Reuben, read it.
0: Oh, I got it. And I spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the Israelite people, on the fifteenth day of this seventh month. Where we've
1: already had two holidays,
0: there shall be the feast of Booths to Adonai to last seven days. The first day shall be a sacred occasion. You shall not work at your occupations. Seven days you shall bring offerings by fire to Adonai the eighth day, you shall observe a sacred occasion and bring an offering by fire to Adonai. It is a solemn gathering. You shall not work
1: at your occupation. Alright, this is all we're told in Leviticus about this Feast of Booths. Right? That, that That's what we're told. So this ends the agricultural year and the liturgical year. Right? This ends the the celebrations for the year. In the second temple period, by the second temple, Sukkot has become the main festival of the Jewish people. It is the main festival. You are closing the year, you've had this day of atonement, so presumably the day of atonement gets you ready for this party. Which makes a whole lot more sense, doesn't it? Then we start the year and ten days later have this very serious atoning, forgiving, blah 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 blah. It makes very little sense. It makes a lot more sense that on the biggest party of the year, you're gonna kick off that month with the right. It's here. The seventh month is here. Then you're gonna clean up all your business, and then you're gonna have the party to end all parties before the dead time of the winter. Makes a lot of of sense. When did the
4: um, tradition the of the new year. I guess that's right. Starting reading the Torah from Genesis at Rosh Hashanah. Because there's also the Torah cycle where we start again since that Torah and we like this. Think of it
1: like the year of the Torah goes with Rosh Hashanah, not with Wait, right,
4: It goes with, with Sukkot. With Sukkot. So when did that tradition start where people, when did we decide? or maybe we don't know, but I'm just wondering how that linked in that we decided to do it there.
1: I don't know. I don't know. It has to be rabbinic. It is rabbinic, because yeah. it's after the destruction, right? Because it's Ezra who comes back saying, okay, the people don't know anything. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything. And that's when a public reading of Torah begins, Monday, Thursday, and Shabbat. And that rabbinic here is what time? Well, we so, the, the, there, so there's they're kind of formulating of that stuff, and then there's the codification of it, right? So the Mishnah is everything after 70, Right after the destruction the destruction happens in 70 of the common era um, and then there's lots of talking and dreaming and writing about it because it, it's gone the only way to engage with it is to talk about it so the Mishnah are all of the rulings about okay well in the temple they did this well when exactly does it mean they did that well there had to be three stars because we know that in, so all of that is a way of fantasizing about the temple that's gone so the Mishnah is 70 through about 200 of the common era. Then already 200 years you know, into the common era, there's already arguments about the Mishnah. Because we're Jews, right? So God forbid you should just publish it and you're done, right? You publish it, you, you get it codified, the Mishnah codified, and now there's arguing about, well, when it says three stars, it doesn't mean those stars. It means another star. It has to be this and it, and it's exactly, if you if it's cloudy and you can't see the star. Right, so then you've got all these arguments, and those arguments together with the Mishnah is the Talmud. The, the hunk of Mishnah they're talking about and all the arguing about that Mishnah, mm-hmm. together that makes the Talmud. So it's kind of like
4: a movement from Judaism being very based on their. Society.
1: To then you have to living in cities studying Torah, and so they kind of get disconnected. Correct. Correct. Mishnah. So the Mishnah and the Talmud become one way of observing this stuff. Once this stuff is gone, the other is to engage with the scripture about it, right? And so the the, the cycle of reading Torah. There was a triennial cycle. We, we think probably, excuse me, it's very old that there was a triennial cycle. You read the Torah in three years. Then in the medieval period, it becomes normative to read it annually. So it's late. So I don't know exactly when, but it, but there was a triennial reading that was normative. So we progressive Jews who read on a triennial cycle are actually returning to
5: like, Can I a question? Shmini Atzeret yeah. no. fits in here somewhere. But yeah. that's, well, that's the eighth day. What, what did you azeret, ask me? Shmini Atzeret is the,
1: um, is the eighth day of Sukkot.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, it's supposed to work, the day of tarrying. Exactly. It's um, the hangover day. It's the hangover day. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it is. All right. Let, let's finish this Sukkot business. Jackie, now that you brought it up, read it 37.
5: Okay. Those are the set times of Adonai that you shall celebrate as sacred occasions, bringing offerings by fire to Adonai, burnt offerings, meal offerings, sacrifices and libations on each day what is proper to it, apart from the sabbaths of Adonai and apart from your gifts and from all your votive offerings and from all your free will offerings that you give to Adonai. Go on. Mark on the fifteenth day of the seventh month. When you have gathered in the yield of your land, you shall observe the festival of Adonai to last seven days. Seven
1: days. Sukkot is seven days. Yes? Okay, go on.
5: A complete rest on the first day and a complete rest on the eighth day. On the first day you shall take the product of Hadar trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before your God, Adonai, seven days. And you shall observe it as a festival of Adonai for seven days in the year. You shall observe it in the seventh month as a law for all time throughout the ages. You shall live in the booth seven days. All citizens in Israel shall live in the booths in order that future generations may know that I made the Israelite people live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I, your God, Adonai.
1: So Moses declared to the Israelites the set times of Adonai. All right. So seven days of Sukkot, we get somewhere else that there is to be a day, ta- another day, the day of tarrying, right? And the rabbis interpreted it as God is so happy that the Israelites are hanging out with God <laughs> in the Sukkah, right out of their homes, back in the Sukkah, just like when they followed God in the desert. God is so happy that God is reluctant to let the people go back to their normal lives, and asks for one more day, stay with me one more day. The day of tarrying, Shmini eight, the eighth day of Atzeret of hanging out, of waiting, of tarrying. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful interpretation of Shmini Atzeret. Um, and Shmini Atzeret, Linda, Shmini Atzeret is followed by Simchat Torah, right? The day of the rejoicing with the Torah, um, except in Uh, Reconstructionist practice Shemini Atzeret and Simchat Torah are the same Day
3: Mm.
1: Shemini Atzeret The 8th day of Tarrying Um, Alright so So what are we told about this About this festival It's a harvest right you're going to bring In your harvest and then You're going to take the product of Hadar Trees Branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. Four species that you're going to take. So the rabbis, of course, have to look at this and say, what exactly is the commandment? So you take them. Once you hold them, you have fulfilled the commandment. Once they're in your hand, you're you're done. That's the commandment, is to take them together. Why? Because it says so. Because it says so. (laughs) We are not given any kind of an explanation um, about why. There's lots of theories, of course, about um, where this originates, what this is about. Um, and then, so we're to, we're to take this bouquet, and we're supposed to live in Sukkot. Because, why? In
0: order that future generations may know that I made the Israelite.
1: Alright, so I made them Hoshavti I caused them This is the causative form of the verb To dwell I caused them to dwell In Sukkot Behotzi'i Otam When in my taking them out Me'aretz Mitzrayim Of the land of Egypt What are the Sukkot being referred to Here? The life in the desert the life in the desert. Wouldn't they have been intense? Do you have a
4: nomadic life?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I <think so>. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they had to be fragile, if you say so.
0: Hastily the built. They had to be Thanks. fragile.
1: They had to be fragile. How do we know that?
0: Well, living in the desert is fragile. And what, traveling.
1: What? Sukkot, though, what what are these sukkot? I made them live in Sukkot
3: because you're exposed. You're ex- you exposed to the element.
1: You're you're. Go, go look them. at a tribe of Bedouins that live in the desert.
4: Maybe these are
1: strong. They live in tents. They live in
4: tents.
1: So what's a booth? So what's a booth? It's a very good question, Laura Diamond. Thank you.
3: Okay, it's um, something. It's something to appreciate that you're not in a tent,
1: but you have trees and brooks all right so something is going on with trees mm-hmm. right yeah. and you're not in a tent you're in a booth you're in a sukkah so either the sukkah is something specific that they had only when they were doing the schlep from egypt that is different than what nomadic people have in the desert other times or, this is not referring to their dwellings. There is an interpretation that says these Sukkot are the clouds of glory with which God protected the people in the desert. Cool. What? You
0: know, the rabbis must have had a
1: great time with this. They had a blast yeah. with this. Are you kidding me? There's gorgeous stuff written about the Sukkot are the clouds. The Ananei HaKavod that God used to protect the people in the desert. They lived in their tents the way every nomadic people lives in their tents. Their tent was not their shelter, right? Their shelter was the sukkah that God provided for them. God's hakavo that protected them. They weren't safe in their tents. They were in the middle of the desert. They were vulnerable. But what made them safe was God's sukkah.
0: Is this where the lulav and the etrog? Yes, know? sir. Yeah. So where's what the is etrog? etrog? So where's the etrog?
1: The fruit of the hadar tree, the S- tree. S- has been interpreted to be the citron. S- citrus? The S- etrog. S- okay. The citron. What's your? The citron. Are? <laughs> are we really sure what hadar trees were? No.
5: When, Good. They were
1: beautiful. the Hadar, cuz Hadar means
6: beauty. Could could uh, could we part could part of this be also at some presumably at some point during the four, during the 40 years in the schlepping around in the desert they would have encountered an oasis here and there. And so what could the could the beautiful trees be sort of heart be harkening back to a memory of even in the desert there are places lovely. Where so
1: so where other than the desert do you really appreciate a source that allows for all of this agricultural stuff, right? The, the place you really appreciate that there's enough water for a willow tree or a Hadar tree is in the desert. So clearly there's some association here with rain, or underground sources of water, which are also fed by rain, you know, right. um, and uh, there being enough water and something about a memory of living in the desert where you're completely dependent on shade, the sukkah, you're dependent on shade to survive. On some level, you need right relief and enough water for there to be shade. Clearly, there's a connection. Mm-hmm. The rabbis. Remember from the time of the temple that the festival was the time that God decided how much rain would fall for the coming year. There's the new year on which it is decided what happens to us. That's Yom Kippur. The world is judged for rain on Sukkot. It was reflected in our liturgy. After Sukkot, we changed to Geshem in the Amidah, not. God who brings the tal, the dew, but the geshen because this is the rainy season. Right? Right after Sukkot is your rainy season in Israel. And if it rains well and the way it's supposed to in the winter, you eat in the spring. Yes? If it doesn't go well, there is no spring harvest. There's drought and there's famine. So this was a time of praying for rain, that it should happen the way it's supposed to. If it rains when it's not supposed to, what happens in Israel? If you get a huge rain when it's flooding. not supposed to rain. Flooding. Flash. flash flooding is what happens that wipes away all your agriculture. It tears up the soil, right? And I mean, flash floods that take... Uh, in Israel, you got to listen to your radio when, when it's getting cloudy and you're in the desert because you could die. The flash floods are so violent it takes your car and you're gone. So people are killed all the time in these flash floods because they don't know. To, Down in the next Yes, 100%. So so they're dangerous. Rain out of its season is dangerous. Not enough rain in its season is dangerous. It's all dependent on rain in Israel. So clearly something about these species, right, it's got to have to do with water. Um, Sukkot, some people um, think it's from when you harvested you're out in the field all day long, you don't go home, because often you, you went to the field to work, and it was often a schlep, it was far away. So where did you sleep?
3: Under the storms. In the field.
1: In the field, and in the daytime, you needed relief from the sun, and so you were in a sukkah. You took your breaks, and you took your naps, and you took your schluff in the afternoon, your siesta, in the sukkah.
0: It was a great love story that occurred at this time of the year with Boas and, uh. No.
1: When did that happen? Well, it would be at, the, at this harvest. time. It would have been the barley harvest, which is Shavuot. Yes. And yes, there was a very racy scene. That's in the spring. Where she uncovers his legs. <laughs> Just saying. She goes to the threshing floor and uncovers his legs. Shavuot. So we read the book of Ruth (laughs) at Shavuot. What did you just say? I just see it (laughs) it as a great love story. Mm -hmm. Ah. Mm -hmm. Ah. Naomi sends Ruth to the threshing floor to uncover Boaz's legs. Yes, right.
0: Mm -hmm. But they had to sleep out Mm -hmm. there because they couldn't. This is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Tying it all together. Mm -hmm. Exactly
1: right. But he was
3: very generous.
1: He was very generous. (laughs) He was very generous. He covered her with his cloak. Or prayer, I like the
4: interpretation of uh, sukkah—not booth, but
0: shelter. The sukkah, shlomecha, shelter of your peace, is just a just such beautiful
3: language in the hashkivenu. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I
3: see, I see see don't you, don't you see the stars through the mm-hmm. the, the kind of a, the rabbi's um, rule you know, for a sukkah oh, to like be tent, kosher?
1: You, you have to be able to see the. Take a packet and pass it. Take just the whole thing and pass the
0: whole thing. Yeah, uh, okay. in, uh, in the middle of the a something called yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Take the whole thing. The three whole sheets.
6: Thing three, the whole thing. Thing.
1: three sheets and just pass it. Oh, I
6: see. So here's your Everyone time. should have three Amy, sheets.
1: Amy, what is the word sukha mean? Funny you should ask, Jackie. Did you just ask what does suka mean? Yeah. Funny you should ask. Okay. Pam oh. I think I gave you a cue. I think that you
6: are going to get a dollar. I was thinking about, oh, right. was thinking about Jonah and the, and right? the, the shade. Is there yeah. some
1: There's some more. There's some
6: more. Yeah.
1: All right, Jackie Israel just asked the five million dollar question. What does sukkah mean? We'd, since we keep saying, well, it could mean this, it could mean that, how do you know? One of the ways that you know what something means is to use what's called a concordance. And a, con, excuse me, a concordance is where you look in this big fat book, sukkah, and it will tell you every place in the Torah that sukkah is mentioned. Then you compare all of those to each other to try to get... A well-rounded picture of what this might be talking about. So that's what we're going to do. Are there any more? There's not any more. Okay. More of you came than I anticipated. It okay. is a wonderful problem to have. Um, I can make some more uh, when when we leave. So this is available online. This is from a much larger packet uh, of materials put together by what was then called the Union of American Hebrew Congregations. Which is now not called that. Um, all right. So look where it says text sheet with discussion questions. Yes. So let's look at these occurrences of Sukkah in other places in the Bible. Somebody start with Jonah. Oh, I like Jonah. Okay. Then, then read. Then read. <laughs> then Jonah left the city and sat on the east side of the city. He made a sukkah there And sat
3: under it In the shade Until he might see What happened to the city
1: Alright What do you think sukkah means here then? A shelter uh, Some kind of shelter What, what does it suggest that? It's tell up, me about this shelter What does it suggest It's up high And you can see the city From there Okay So it's an outpost
6: Okay so it's an outpost it's provided, yeah. It
1: provided shade So, So clearly There's some kind of roof yeah, but, on it because that's it all provides that's, that's shade all
6: that's, implied. That's, that's all that's required. implied
1: what tell me what else is implied i i for me something else is implied
6: temporary it's,
1: uh, Temporary. Yeah. that it's something you just throw up this is not and jonah spent three years building a sukkah right he's waiting for something to happen and in the meantime he th- puts together a sukkah and sits in its shade waiting to see what he's going to see. It's like a lean-to. It's like a lean-to.
6: But, but it doesn't have to have any walls. Lean-to.
1: It doesn't say anything about what it is. It, all we know is that it's got some kind of roof because it provides shade.
6: Right. It's like those, mo- those sort of more modern uh, shade things for pools where it's like it's just... It's just the so little top. So possibly it's
1: just the little top. We don't know. I don't know but, because he made made but he made yes. a sukkah there. But he made a sukkah there. It was fast. It suggested it's fast. It suggested it's temporary. And he could, it he could do it on his own. He could do it on his own. He didn't need help. And it provides shame. That's what that's what we know from Jonah. All right. And if you look up the, the, the shoresh, Samech, Kaf, Hei, this three-letter root... the the actual meaning of it is to look to observe okay so Sarah suggests that Sukkah coming from observe means something about the place of the Sukkah that it is a lookout place that that is a part of the definition or, or it derives from having been a lookout point that makes a lot of sense if Sukkah if this Verb means to see or to observe. It would make sense. It's something you put up there, right? That it's a, a place verb, from which you can see. It's where God looks out for us. And it's lovely. Pam's always going to go to these lovely rabbinic-like interpretations.
7: <laughs> Wait, what
1: about, She's got that place, Rabbi's mind.
7: what about a place with a view? It, it's sort of in, it, like a view of the city.
1: Right. That's you what Sarah's saying. What, exactly. That you, you can, can see. That? Yeah. There's a lookout Sorry. point that you can see. From right. there,
7: but it, in ter- I don't know. I go to a place that it means it's a view of beauty. Ah. Why? Because it's a lookout place. It's high. He's going to
5: see
1: what's going to happen in the city.
6: He wants the city George destroyed see at this bit
1: bit point. He, right? Gonna be He's going to go wait under the sukkah to see what happens in the city. Whether it's a beautiful view, I don't know, oh, but it's a view okay. of the city.
3: Okay. But you said something, three years He
1: stayed there? No. No, 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 You're
3: making a joke.
1: Sorry. No, No, I said it doesn't say
5: it took him three years to build this thing.
1: Right? He just boom, it says he put it together. I I like like how you can see the heavens through the through the schach. Yeah. Yeah. So that's rabbinic, right? The rabbis put that as a condition of the sukkah.
6: But Mm -hmm. that means it doesn't provide can't provide perfect shape.
1: It it provides some kind of shape. It's not the best shade you could get. All right. What do we see in Isaiah? Somebody read the text from Isaiah chapter 4.
7: Indeed, over all the glory shall hang a canopy, chuppah, which shall serve as a sukkah for shade from the heat by day and a shelter for protection against drenching rain.
4: Is this where the tradition of the chuppah originated or no? Does it have anything to do with sukkah?
1: Does chupa have anything to do with Sukkot? I don't know. At
7: the, at the There's
1: end? no, I've never heard a connection, but I'm not going to say that the impulse for chuppah is completely unrelated to a people who has an attachment to the idea of a, means- a Sukkot. Here he's not talking the chupa is a symbol of the home that the couple's going to make okay. together.
0: He's not talking about a sukkah. He's talking about a chupa, which could serve as
1: a sukkah. Aha! Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, as. over all the glory, all over the kavod, chupa, there will be a chupa. The sukkah to and there will be a sukkah. Is the sukkah the chupa?
7: function
0: that it's in the English it is in the English it is
1: so when I was reading this last night I was like it doesn't actually say that the sukkah is the chuppah right but certainly one could read it that way um, and if that's the case then what is this sukkah the sukkah
5: means you need to see the sky and so
1: that's rabbinic that's rabbinic we keep we keep going there but that's rabbinic that's not biblical
4: and it's the, the, the sukkah is a function that something
0: serves it's not the, the thing itself here they're talking Anarchy
4: about protection
1: from sukkah. rain so in this case the sukkah is possibly and it provides shade during the day and protection against drenching rain right
5: mm-hmm.
1: that, that's what we know Protection against drenching rain. If you go out in our sukkah, you ain't gonna get protection from drenching rain. So this this suggests something, dafka, that you don't see through the top. It's more like a chupa that is gonna protect you by giving you shade and is gonna protect from rain, meaning it's solid. It's starting to like a tent. Sort of like it's starting out like a
3: tent. Sort of both of them are sort of temporary. Yes. I, if it's temp- that's right, if it's uh-huh. temporary because it was made out of leaves and whatever, so I don't think very conclusive.
6: Yes, David. But the sukkah is a solid structure, so it kind of also symbolizes the, the transfer between a completely nomadic lifestyle to a more modern lifestyle. Very,
1: very nice sukkah as transition.
6: From nomadic to urban.
1: From nomadic to urban. And these
6: first two passages, I noticed that the Sukkot serves kind of as a spiritual vessel to wherever the Jews might be, they have this divine protection. And this waiting outside the city is kind of connected to the same things as uh, the rain and the drenching because it's kind of serving as a protection and as a viewing post to see the changing things, or you know, urban lifestyle is always ever changing, wars or whatever. Nature is also changing. But whatever happens inside the Sakoa always stays the same. The Jews will always remain Jews.
1: Are you and Pam can go have lunch, <laughs> right? Because right. I like I like so the to. rabbinic mind, right? <laughs> okay. right? Which is why I wanted to bring the Ananeha Kavod the clouds of glory, right, to mind. Because for the rabbis, that's the point. The only protection we have is God. That that God is our sukkah. God provides our sukkah. Everything else changes. Everything There's else changes. And the Sukkah represents an understanding that really we're dependent on that protection. We leave our houses in the city and go outside, right? Because we think that's what's unchanging our life. We're safe, right? That's where nothing changes. But as David points out, everything changes. What doesn't change is the Sukkah that we revisit, right? That we are we are divinely held always
3: it's kind of because if you think about it Jonah needed a protection of God in order and, and feeling that he has a protection in order to and observe the city he needed the sukkah he needed the God's protection because? because he was called by God to go to the city and bring the words mm-hmm. so that's what it, it, it makes it so much sense the whole thing
1: Good. Excellent.
3: Um, does anyone ever
7: make the leap that this feeling of protection and the ever-changing whatever and out looking at the outside and what's going on and the connection of the food and you're bracing yourself for a winner and there's this bounty of food that's there for you to get through your winter as part of your protection to, of, from winter so it's protection on two levels does anyone ever kind of
1: make the connection and uh, leak, I mean no? I think that's absolutely true that this is this is the protection against starvation this is the protection against winter is this harvest so 100% I think it's I mean it's prophylactic and the actual structure is protecting you So so that's the paradox of sukkah that I want us to hold. The sukkah is less protective than your house. It gives you less protection than your house. That's why we go out there to remember we are fragile. We think we're safe in our house, but ask my neighbor about how safe he is with his cancer. He's dying in his house. We are not safe ever. We, so we go out in the sukkah to remind ourselves the only real safety, the only real protection is God. We're always safe within that. And the sukkah provided shade so you didn't die of heat stroke, right? So it is this paradox of the sukkah both being protective and dafka the opposite of protection. I mean, it's a wonderful... Thing. And so I think we oversimplify the Sukkah, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted us to look at these texts. I think we oversimplify, and it's become pediatrified, you know what I mean, and, and simplistic. It's very and it, symbolic. It's <laughs> very symbolic, and it's very profound for the rabbis, this idea of Sukkah. And the Lulav and Etrog, they go to being um, the spine of the human being is the Lulav, the um, Etrog is the heart of the human being the willow is the lips and the myrtle are the eyes and so for them it's it's cosmic right you know it's both cosmic and and really small that that's what that's the beauty that's the fragility and the blessing is ourselves that, that each of us is fragile. We're so fragile and glorious at the same time. That, that That is the meaning of Sukkot, right? Is the both and the physical and the kind of, that the physical being strong and holy and sacred and amazing and the physical being really fragile. No, I just want to say it's
4: almost to me like this is a commandment to seek out fragility and vulnerability. Yes. You could have the most expensive house and the fanciest car and all the degrees, but really strength is in being able to be vulnerable and fragile. And so many people forget that and they try to build these big safety places but that are fake, right? So. That's right?
1: That's why we build big houses. That's why we build big right. houses. Because we want to think we're safe. Right. And if I have a great big old house, that means I am powerful. Right.
4: But you're not, because
1: you can still get cancer. Mm. Well, okay. you may have lunch with the two of them. You'll fight about who picks up the check.
4: Well, I'm happy to, because I wouldn't have thought of anything hadn't said okay.
1: So that, that's precisely the point of Sukkot. Get out of your houses, you Israelites, where you think you're safe. Because you're never safe. And if you're in the Sukkah and vulnerable... You understand that even with terminal cancer you're safe. If
5: Only strong, if it's a it matter
3: of one experienced life that's what God is for me. It's my way of experiencing my life. If I have God with me I'm somehow I'm, I, have, I have that serenity or acceptance and being able to be vulnerable and feel okay
1: with. no matter what happens you're safe. Yes. Yes?
8: What? We lived in the desert for nine years. We lived in Phoenix. And I taught school, and I taught a unit on Indians. What the Indians did
3: for themselves is leave Phoenix in the summer. They would go up to Prescott and other places where they were in the shade.
1: Or they were cooler.
8: That they were cool, and I learned a lot from them because when you look at people all over the
1: world, you can get an appreciation of everyone's attitudes. Right, right, and and why did they leave in the summer? Because being exposed and out in that heat was dangerous. Yes, that is the way that the sukkah represents. Safety and shelter is so you don't swelter. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you're not really safe. We'll close looking at Psalms 31. Somebody read it.
6: You grant them the protection of your presence against scheming men. You shelter them in your sukkah from contentious tongues.
1: So back to this idea that God has a sukkah, right? That that we are sheltered and protected by God's sukkah, which in the Haskivah prayer, as Pam mentioned, in our liturgy at night is uh, we ask that God ufros aleinu sukkach lomecha, spread over us the sukkah of your shalom, of your well-being of your wholeness uh, over us Uh, so this Sukkot may each of us uh, move into this festival of celebration with an awareness of our bounty with an awareness of all that we have to be grateful for um, and may we have the strength and the trust to be vulnerable uh, so that we might be truly truly blessed